Good day to you. Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in today and giving of your time and your interest. I apologize right out of the gate. There have, there have not been very many episodes posted continuing into this week. I know I was on a trend there for a long time for posting episodes pretty much every day and right now I'm I'm at two to three a week. It's just a weird season. It is what it is. Um, there are several other longer teachings that are just kind of stuck and I'm, I'm just in all honesty asking the Lord for direction and how to whittle them down, how to separate them out perhaps and make them more bite size. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what to do with those. So stay tuned. Thank you for your your patience and with my inconsistencies. But again, I want to try to always be free from just being a programmed program. <laughs> you know, it's hard to it's hard to make something that is in any way you know, not edited, but you know, in some sort of a identifiable order, something that comes out with regularity, something that is topically sound. Um, but you know, that's really hard to do. And, and if, if like myself, you don't feel compelled to really give a lot of time to making sure you're churning out episodes to meet demands of what is deemed right in the eyes of podcasts and recording and, um, you know, any kind of a broadcast world, well, they would tell you, man, you got to get stuff out formulaic. You've got to spit it out with greater regularity, Joel. You're going to lose listeners. You're going to lose people. And I realize that. I do wrestle with that, but I try to just scale back my, my, um, my efforts towards listener base and and popularity or numbers, you know, all these things that could drive any one of us and just trust the spirit that like, this isn't mine. Um, I've been through that in my life um, with some broadcasting stuff and there's no way I'm doing that again. So it is what it is. Thank you for tuning in. If you're new here, welcome. Um, There are, goodness, how many months now? probably 15 months plus of audio messages now in the podcast database. You can browse them. You can look topically. Go all the way back to, I believe it was February 2019 when this first started. Plenty of content should you be new around here and interested in anything that that, that we might be talking about here. Right now is continuing the counting of the Omer. Um, as it's referenced in Scripture, if you don't know anything about that, you're, you're just like I was for the majority of my life until recently. Um, it's, the, it's the time frame, that's, it's an ancient time frame that's in between, um, it's in between Passover and Pentecost. And you count 50 days, it leads up to Pentecost. Um, it was a practice that was always ongoing in the people of God. They were doing that um, in the first church of Acts, um, the post-Messiah 
church, the way, the called out ones, the set apart ones, the followers of the way, people of the Messiah, they would have continued on the tradition of what Israel had been doing, what the people of God had been doing for years, counting the Omer. It's a, you, there's all these things. We don't have time to go into that. This is not an Omer teaching today, and I'm not the one to give it anyway. Plenty of information to be found. And I remember um, when we started this at Passover, how I referenced even on here on the program that I had never counted anything for 50 whole days in a row. Like, and I said, man, that's, that's a long time to count something. And, and now that we are on day 45, man, I'm realizing two things that are they're somewhat opposite on the spectrum of counting. 50 days goes very quickly, and equally so, 50 days is a long time to deliberately count something every evening as the sun sets and as you end your day. Or begin your day, depending on what calendar you live according to. We believe it's the beginning of the day. Is, is We start our day with rest. It's, it's, it's the ancient understanding of the calendar. And while the world is, is, is fascinated and, and just moving along with, with just a, a, an earthly calendar of men, man, I'm telling you, there's, there's so much depth of revelation and spiritual spiritual weight to the calendar of God. There's so much to that in our in in just our giving ourselves towards it in faith and asking God, what is it I've been missing? What is it I'm not walking in an anticipation level towards that's hidden within keeping your feasts, your Sabbath rest? I'm telling you, we've been missing out. That's a whole nother day. I'm sure not here to talk about that this morning. But it is at the forefront of my mind as we count in anticipation for Shavuot, Pentecost, in mere days. It's incredible. My, my excitement level has come and gone up and down like a roller coaster. I come down and I'm just somber and I'm sober and I feel, I feel the travail of the tarrying. The waiting. You know, the 10-day period where Messiah ascended, of course, that was marked mere days ago. and We're in this little 10-day window of post-ascension waiting for the promise. Man, we don't even understand what we're waiting for. Can we just admit that honestly? We don't know any more than they knew then. If anything, we know less. (laughs) Now, we know what came. We know... Because we have the gift of, of the written word of God for us to read and to study, we know what happened. We know what they there were waiting on. But I mean in the sense of for you and I, in 2020, that the whole earth is groaning for the culmination of the ages. And can we give ourselves to believe that something is going to happen this Pentecost in mere days? Something's going to change. The promise. Now, we, as many in that time, I'm sure, can be baited to believe, well, you know, just another year. Many Christians, sadly, don't even know about Pentecost and the calendar that yet remains. Some people, or at least I'm finding intrigued, which is a whole other subject, 
But that's where I was for, for the last, I don't know, multiple years of my life, intrigued towards the feasts, intrigued towards Passover. But friends, I'm just telling you, and I'll just challenge you, and then we'll get to what I would like to talk about today. Immerse yourself. Don't just pick some days and try to, well, you know, God, what are you doing? Do something. I want to just encourage anyone who might hear my voice to immerse yourself for one year even, for a whole cycle, to give yourself to the fullness of the feasts. We're going to honor them. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to observe them. Not just the marking on a calendar. No way. I mean, it's something spiritually active and alive and vibrant. Give yourself to that. At least pray before the Lord. If you're someone who truly seeks the heart of God and asks, God, what is your heart for humanity in 2020? I believe it is a what? A rediscovering the ancient way. A rediscovering of what has been abandoned and what we just have to face has not been handed to us. It's not been given to us in this church age. It's been buried. It's been forgotten. It's been eradicated. Why? Eh, we don't live according to that anymore. And the, the, the modern day church needs to realize she lives according to a Roman Catholic calendar. <laughs> the Protestant church that, that badmouths the Pope and all of the Roman Catholicism rules and demands upon the church, that's what the church lives according to. That's what the Sunday Gathering Church lives according to. Whether you know it or not is irrelevant. I'm driving through an area right here by a school. The speed limit is 25 miles per hour. If I've been told that the speed limit is 75, and I just blare through here, flooring it, going 75, and a a law-enforcing policeman sees me and catches me on his radar and pulls me over, you tell me what I'm subject to. Am I subject to a law and a rule that someone else has given me? Made up. Hey, I think it should be 75. Go for it, Joel. Go 75. We said, oh gosh, don't even get me started. Anyway, we have got to know the calendar of God. We have got to be on his timeline because there is no other. It's that simple. Everything else, man-made ideas. And I know many believers and followers of of Messiah who are very serious followers of God. But just say, well, you can't really know. So, eh, whatever. Oh, friends, that's dangerous living. (laughs) We've got to give our lives to know. We need to know. So, moving to today. (laughs) Has nothing to do with that. That tends to be what happens here. Um, I was reading yesterday morning. 1 Peter. I felt the Lord say 1 Peter chapter 4, so I sat down and started reading. What stood out to me immediately was just the admonition and the, and the, the, the warnings that are just continually throughout the scriptures, especially in the new church on the earth. The new demonstration of the church. The, the, the young post-resurrection, post-ascension, post-coming of the Holy Spirit church. 
It was not it was not stagnant and stale like we see it today. It was alive. It was causing people to be completely abased, changed. It cost people something. It wasn't full of favor and blessing and you know what God bless America, you know. It wasn't full of all this commercial Christianity that brings us favor and blessing and we brand it that we are now the people of God because how awesome our life is. They these people in the early church in in the post Pentecost of Acts church, they didn't know this reality. They were persecuted. They were run out of towns that they grew up in. They were di- they were distanced and outcast from their families. They were removed from society. They were sh- <clears throat> excuse me, shamed. So we have to first and foremost place ourselves within this context of the early New Testament church. And so Peter he's writing He's writing these things that are also true for us today, of course. And I would say more true for us now, probably, than they even were for the, for the congregation he was speaking to then. I would say that the 1 Peter chapter 4 context is probably more applicable to us now. And I just want to pick out verse 4 and talk about that for a few moments. In all this, we won't get into what all this is, The Gentiles, excuse me, the Gentiles, the ones who are not of God, the ones who are considered on the outside of the people of God, we all know, in measure at least, the Gentile understanding. Wild ones, lawless ones. These Gentiles, they're surprised. And they think it's strange that you don't run with them. That you don't run with them to what? They're surprised and they think it's very weird that you don't do the same excess and have abandoned unruliness as they. Okay, so they're they're surprised and they think it's very odd that you don't run with them, that you don't hang out with them. And that you don't do those things alongside them to the same excess and abandoned unruliness. Let's just stop there for just a second. The main point is what's next, but I want to stop here for just a mere moment. There should be a distinction for us. There should be a marked distinction. I say this all the time. You should be able to line up 20 people, 10 are followers of Messiah, regenerated Christ men, and ten are not. Ten have lost their identity. They've given up their preferences. They've given up their personality traits. They've given up all of their their desires. Their identity has been lost into the sun, and incrementally so in the sanctification process of their life. The other ten... Wayward, lawless, live in excess, live to the lusts of their flesh, unruly. In mere moments, 
You should be able to, dis- to distinguish these two parties. Mere moments. I would say a two-minute interrogation of each individual should be able to separate the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goats. I think it should be absolutely instantaneously identifiably different. And see, this culture today says that there's, there's the gospel within our relevance, within our, our image and our personality and even hobbies. That if I like heavy metal music, well, I don't need to submit that to the Lord and ask if I need to walk away from that I need to just keep going to concerts and be just like the lost so that they'll come to Jesus through me because I look like them, sound like them, talk like them, listen to what they listen to. I'm just like you, except I have Jesus. Friends, Peter would have never, ever, ever said that. Paul would have never taught that. Yeshua, of course, didn't teach that in any way. You come out. You be separate. Be distinct. Be holy, be consecrated, be set apart. There's power in our distinction. There's power in our separateness. And in this text, it's being alluded to that this should be factual. In this text specifically, this this understanding is just already set. It's already understood. The people already knew that. Why? Because the Gentiles considered them odd. They considered it strange that the listener was no longer running with the Gentile crowd. They were considered and branded odd now. And you don't live according to the same excess and abandoned unruliness as they. You were marked. You were different. But here's the thing that really struck me, and this will be brief today. The thing that really arrested me and and caused my heart great grief and conviction was the very end of the verse, and I'll read read all of verse 4 again to uh, bring up the, the final section of it to make my final point. In all this, the Gentiles are surprised and they think it's strange that you don't run with them to the same excess and abandoned unruliness. So they heap insults on you. And as I was reading that, I was convicted. And as I was doing just our teaching time at our house yesterday with my wife and son, I was struck with heavy conviction. As I felt the Holy Spirit just press upon my heart the question, when was the last time I was insulted by the world? When was the last time I was insulted? Heaped upon me insults, slander, persecution of any kind. And friends, let me just say it doesn't happen very often. I do the first part. I'm set apart. I'm consecrated. I'm holy. I am. It's not my own doing. It's the power of the Holy Spirit within me moving me to a place of lifting up clean hands and having a pure heart presented before the Lord the best I know how, moment by moment, each day of my life. It is a set, determined 
lifestyle. If, if we're not holy, if we can't get to a place in humility to say we're holy, then what in the world are we doing? We're called to be holy. We're called to be holy. We are commanded to be holy. So if we're like, well, no, I'm just a lowly sinner. I'm not holy. Friends, we have a real problem with our understanding towards what we're even called to be. But in that place, I'm finding, as, I, as I've meditated on this scripture now for 24 hours, is, you know what? I don't receive insults from those in the world. Not much. Maybe some lighthearted jokes. Maybe some, some jesting when I don't join in with things that are just blatantly sinful. Maybe some good guy, you know, well, you're just, you're just a good guy. Maybe just lighthearted things, but not like insults. Like I talked to my son about that during our teaching time yesterday, and just explaining to him what, it, what an insult really even is. And so here's two things that I want to just present as a problem that I'm asking myself, and I just put out there before you to ask yourself as well. I was convicted and asked myself, I basically pointed out two, two reasons that I would say any one of us do not receive the last part of this verse, which is insults from the Gentile nation, from the unruliness, the unruly ones, the ungoverned ones, the lawless ones. Well, there's three options, really. Number one is simple. Let's cut and dry black and white this one. You're a Gentile. You're a Gentile. (laughs) You're lawless yourself. You're not governed by the laws of God. Perhaps even you're just in the grace of Jesus and you don't need governed by anything. Hey, I'm free. Back off. I would say you're risking, at the very least, being an unruly one. Living in excess, doing what... Paul was always talking about, which is, hey, use an adult word here for a moment. (laughs) You're whoring the gospel. You're whoring the grace. You're ruining the gift of grace, friend, by living lawless. Living as if you don't have a law. So number one, I guess, if we make three points, just off the cuff here, You wouldn't get ridiculed, you wouldn't get insults, you wouldn't get pushed out and looked that funny if you are in fact still Gentile. (laughs) So that's pretty easy. But number two is, well, maybe we have been moved from Gentile to Jew. Oh boy, here's already a doctrinal smack for many wide-way Christian believers. I'm not Jewish. We need to study that and we... Are you Israel? Are you Israel? Have you been grafted into a people of God? Have you been moved not just, well, I'm a Gentile now that believes? Well, that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about a Gentile being grafted into the people of God, Israel. You become a holy priesthood, a royal royal priesthood, a holy nation, You become a citizen of the kingdom of God. A citizen now. 
You, you changed your allegiance from the Gentile race into Israel. <laughs> if, in fact, you did that, if you're like me, you didn't even know you had done that, <laughs> which is fine, as long as we give ourselves to the revelation of what, in fact, we've, we've been moved into in Messiah, purchased. Not just freed from sin, not just washed in the blood, that is the mere door. That's the gate. That's simply the way in to becoming the people of God. So part number two is if that's in fact taking place for you, maybe you're just not weird yet. Maybe you're not consecrated. Maybe you have not come out from among them. Maybe there's no reason for insults to be heaped upon you because you're not living different yet. You've not been awakened to the coming out reality. Born again, stuck. Going to church, going to discipleship class, going to how to share your faith courses, doing what you're supposed to do, and simply, let's just face it, doing what you're told. Millions of people doing what you're told. Millions of people within the church, the wide way church, doing what they're told, doing their best, but there's nothing to be insulted over. There's nothing to be looked at oddly. Why? Because she looks just like the world. Most of the church looks just like the world, except we sing worship songs and do meetings, gatherings. No distinction. And then number three is where I feel like I land today. I know I'm odd. I know I'm distinct. I know I'm looked at weird in the sense of just how we live and what we do. Seems to be increasing more and more every year. <laughs> but I realized, because I just asked the Lord, like I, I don't get insulted by the world, the unruly, lawless ones. Why? Well, there is an answer to that, too. There's a two-part answer for me in my life. Well, I do believe there's a Gentile church. I believe there's a Gentile church. And I get a pretty heavy dose from that side as being too much, too weird, too harsh, too serious, too sober, too literal. You want to come out too much. You want to be too holy, too set apart. You're ruining grace. You're abandoning the freedom in Jesus. You're returning to law. The feasts aren't for you, and if they are, it's spiritual. You're spiritual, Israel, Joel, if anything, if at all. It's spiritual. It's not real. I get looked at weird there. Yes, the Gentile church looks at me odd, and that's okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not propping myself up saying how odd I am. It's not a goal. A goal is to just do what we're called to individually, right? According to the Scriptures, according to the commands of the Word of God, from page to page, front to end, front to back, beginning to end, the whole book. But I've realized that like, as far as the majority, the world, I don't receive, I don't have insults heaped upon me because I don't allow myself to be known enough to the unruled ones. To the lawless excess ones. To the church, yes, that, that's easy for me. I feel that's part of my personal calling is to address the body of Christ at large and to call her higher. And in that vein, yes, I get 
strange looks. I get some insults, which is interesting, isn't it? (laughs) To the audience you're talking to, I don't often talk to the world. I don't often address those on the outside. The gospel, the full message of Messiah coming and fulfilling everything, every requirement upon man from God fulfilled perfectly. Now that is a message of my life, yes, and it's a message I love to share with non-believers. But for me specifically, the, the insults I actually get from those within the church. Isn't that strange? But my question was, why don't I get it from the world? I'm not persecuted by the world. Are you? I mean, really. I'm not talking about, well, the other day when I had my, you know, forgiven t-shirt on at Walmart, somebody chuckled at me. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a true insult, like something that really hurt. Painful suffering. I don't know that we really endure much of that here. I don't. If you do, I'd like to hear about your version of that. I'd like to hear about what you do that brings about this 1 Peter chapter 4 reality. Because to me, I feel like it should be part of my life. And yet it is not. So the Holy Spirit really convicted me to look into why. Why is that not part of my life? I'm not insulted by those who live in excess as Gentile people outside of the people of God. I'm just not. So I just put this question out there. Are you? Are you? In response to this verse specifically, and we'll bring this to a close, to the three options, if you will, that I presented. If you're not looked at strangely considered odd, because you don't walk as those who are accusing you walk? Well, let's just be specific. If you're not, if you don't have insults heaped upon you by people who are outside of the people of God, you need to first and foremost make sure that you're not one of them. It's a tough thing to realize, but man, can we not ask these things? Are you sure you're not one of them? Are you sure you're not an, an unruled, lawless one? Are you sure? Are you living in excess? We could spend an hour talking about excess, could we not? Here in this Western American Christian living world? It's always a topic that can be discussed and needs to be. Number two, perhaps you were born again. You've been grafted into Israel. You're no longer Gentile. You're Israel. You're in the house of God. You're in the people of God. You're a citizen of this kingdom, of the king. The capital K King. But this is not true for you. You're not looked that odd. You're not considered strange. You do live in excess and no insults are heaped upon you. Is it possible that it's because you've not fully changed? You've not allowed the Spirit of God to move you out further and further away from the patterns of the world. Which are what? Governed by the ruler's of the air, the principalities and the powers of the air in opposition to Yahweh God. Opposing his government, opposing his law, lawless. 
Perhaps that is you, Gentile. Gentile living because you don't know any better. You've never given yourself wholeheartedly to change. We do have a role, you know. (laughs) Or number three, maybe we are doing these things. We are living set apart, consecrated, holy, odd lives. We do live within the boundaries and rules. The guidelines of the Father given to His children to keep them in proper boundaries for their safety, given to us by the Great Shepherd to keep us preserved, safe, alive, vibrant, healthy, safe. But you just don't rub shoulders with the world enough in that way to even be looked at odd or to even be given a chance for someone to respond with an insult. Let's just ask ourselves, Let's just look inside. Let's look inward and ask ourselves, where are we with this one verse? If someone stood up today and read this to us, kind of like I'm attempting to do today, and just said, how about you, friend? Where Where does this land with you? Forget about the church. Forget about your neighbor. Forget about your congregation. Forget about even who was listening to this at that moment. That audience, let's think about ourselves. What about you? Where does this land with you? Do you receive insults heaped upon you from those who live in unruly excess? Or do you look too much like them to ever be distinguished? I think we have to ask these questions. That is why the Word of God exists, friend for our good, for our teaching, for our correction, for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to use it to bring about change in us so that we continue to be sanctified more and more into the image of the beautiful Son. There's a call upon us to come out, to be separate, to be distinct. I'm talking about it every time I know. It's the the trajectory of our lives. It is the rest of our days. Friends, go to pathdesign.com. Check us out online on Facebook and YouTube. Share this if you feel like it's anything compelling of value that might help any one of us mature, change, establish the glory of God in a people again on the earth in greater measure throughout the rest of our days. Be blessed today. Thank you for listening. Amen.